podcast is in collaboration with Vanquist Bank, who has been looking into financial compatibility. And it's been my pleasure to support organizations such as Vanquist when they want a little bit more insight on psychological topics. So these are the questions they asked me. How do we define financial compatibility? Well, think about these things. Do you feel the need to hide your purchases? Are you uncomfortable or made to feel uncomfortable over how much you or your partner earns? Do you often argue over money, including what the future looks like? Well, if the answer is yes to any of the above, then you may not be financially compatible. The term compatibility may be defined as the ability of two elements to coexist without conflict or problems. And as applied to relationships, while one would certainly not say that a compatible relationship was one without any conflict or problem, it's still one where you can work things through. Unfortunately, financial incompatibility may not sit so easily within a relationship as perhaps an incompatibility with food preferences. Financial compatibility, or at least for your financial situation to cause minimal to no strain, is an important factor in healthy relationships because financial incompatibility is a key factor in divorce. Britt, in 2013, in a survey of over 4,000 couples in the US, found that arguments over money are the greatest predictor of divorce. In the UK, where admittedly the data is quite sparse, a survey by Scottish widows found that 60% of people believe that financial compatibility is a key element of a successful relationship. An informal survey conducted by Business Insider amongst experts in the field discovered that not only can one's financial situation cause stress, but it can be a catalyst for divorce with reasons being differing attitudes and priorities towards money, credit card debt and worse, secret debt or overextended budgets. Manisha Thakur in her book, Get Financially Naked, How to Talk Money with Your Honey, explains that financial compatibility is whether or not money is going to cause tension in your relationship. And as well as this, she notes other factors include compatibility around financial risk taking and compatibility around financial stewardship. That is awareness, interest and behavior as it pertains to money. It's not simply about budgeting. The reality is even without a joint account or even joint purchases, your spending behaviors this may be that you whimsically purchase a gadget over groceries or that you gamble the family's car away or that you're secretly £20,000 in debt. At some point, someone who's been an innocent party may either be held accountable or have their life disrupted. As unattractive as it may be, being open and intimate with your finances can help both of you make a decision over whether this person is really the one for you in the long run. Working with Vanquist, we came up with four areas where you may be able to discuss the topic of finances a little bit more easily. And the first is your financial behaviors and beliefs. For example, what were your parents like about money? Do you have any regrets over money? Are your parents paying off your bills? That's quite a big one because that can give a huge insight into someone's own sense of responsibility and capabilities. Do you track your money? What do you consider expensive? The next category is your financial status. And this can include questions such as, do you have student loan debt? Are you comfortable with credit cards and debt? Does anyone depend on you financially? And if one person is earning significantly more, could you come to an agreement as to how you might treat each other? 
So one person can afford luxuries, the other person can't. So how are you able to collaborate with each other? The third area is your financial goals. And this can include how you are as a couple planning on spending your money. And in relation to that, area D is, are you combining your finances? And this can also include raising the prospect of a prenup. What are your plans for buying a home? How do you see payments being made for joint or family needs? Will that person be on your pension? Will you be on theirs? Do you have a will or how are you writing your wills? Is there a safety net for health needs? Who pays for health insurance? With those in mind, these are the questions you need to ask yourself. Do I want to combine my finances with a partner or do they want to combine finances for some particular reason? Research by Addo and Sassler in 2010 found that low-income families more often reported that separate bank accounts were associated with feelings of undesirability and a lack of intimacy. So be aware of those things. Reflect on what your life goals are, because you may also want to consider healthcare or retirement plans. Life costs money. So really think about your plans for big expenses in life, your home, having children, maybe even the type of wedding you want or the car you want to drive, because those need to be budgeted for. How long have you been paying all your bills is really a fun question because having that financial independence from your parents is, is a big deal, but it can also reveal a lot about an attitude towards paying bills. Less obvious red flags may include not having assets over the age of, say, 40. I raise this one mindfully because the pandemic has caused huge disruptions with lifestyle. So did the housing bubble bursting in 2009, and the age of 40 is simply a number I picked arbitrarily. Related to the above, though, and probably more important, is whether someone has been able to hold a steady income over their lifetime. Because there is a huge difference between the self-employed saver who has had to adapt to market forces and someone who's drifting because they simply don't like that job. Be aware of the magpie effect when it comes to investments or stuff. It might be someone hears a tip and they have to have it. That lack of impulse control can be present in other areas of life. Hoarding behavior or cluttering can indicate that purchases are being made without any thought to how they're being used. Always wanting to buy now and pay later can be a more revealing aspect of impulse control. Healthy spending behaviors do include, however, paying yourself first, especially if you're self-employed, spending on things that are loved and really appreciated, tracking and keeping an eye on spending, being aware of interest on loans, mortgages, and credit cards, practicing gratitude for what you have. If your partner is in debt, consider the following. Find out what the debt is, find out what the extent of the debt is, and become aware if you're affected in any way. And it may be best to seek outside help from debt charities such as Step Change. Debt is also hugely emotional and secretive debt is often worse. So maybe instead of asking the how or the why at first, maybe ask them to bring you all the bills and evidence of the debt and you can pick up a picture of the situation. Once you have sought external help and the debt is manageable, then together you may be able to plan a budget and see what changes to your lifestyle are needed in order to avoid either of you facing that situation again. And also, if you are thinking of paying off a partner's debt, even if you're able to, it's not always a case of money. Financial compatibility and incompatibility is much more to do with our inner behaviors 
beliefs and values. So whilst paying something off may make uncomfortable feelings go away in the short term, it may not be teaching anything valuable in the long run. And that's all we have time for. But if you do want to learn more, the Retrain Your Brain podcast reverts to being 10 minutes on my couch with me with practical tips and tools for everyday wellness. And if you go to my website, www.draudreyt.com, you'll find more of those on my blog. However, check out the Wellbeing Lounge podcast where you will learn from the experts and find ways to live your best life.